What's going on, everybody? This is Josh, and I am so excited to welcome you to another episode of the One Word Podcast. As always, I'm super excited, but I am especially amped for this episode because we have an awesome guest with us today, my great friend, Steve Ciszek. Steve is currently signed with the Chicago White Sox and has been an MLB pitcher for a long time with teams including the Cardinals, Cubs, Mariners, Rays, and Marlins. So we are so pumped to have Steve on this episode. As always, our mission at One Word is to choose it, rep it, and live it. And we are so excited that this podcast will help you on your journey. We're so excited for you to learn from Steve on this episode. Let's dive in. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the One Word Podcast. You're in for a treat today. We've got a special guest with us. We have MLB pitcher Steve Ciszek. He's currently signed with the Chicago White Sox, but he's at home because of the quarantine and the league being shut down. So we got a gift today to have him on the show. So, Steve, thanks for being on with us. Thank you guys for having me on. It's an honor. Yeah, we are really excited for this episode. And, Steve, we just want to start off with a question about uh, what's it like to be a professional baseball player? Um, You know, it's... It's definitely a dream come true. Like I think anyone else would describe, you know, you get to play your childhood game for a living. Um, and, uh, you know, you just don't want to be taking that for granted at all. Um, and uh, so it's, it's a truly an honor, something, you know, undeserving, um, just a gift from the Lord and something that, you know, that we all enjoy doing. All right, Steve, we got to get to what the people want to hear. Who is, like top three most jacked dudes that you have ever pitched against pitched against um, or like oh played against whatever any MLB in yeah. your opinion top three jacked well it's gonna have to be um uh probably judge is number one dude is massive Stanton number two but I only faced him in live BP which by the way was super intimidating because when I throw live BP, typically pitchers throw with an L screen in front of them. But since I'm kind of sidearm, I can't have an L screen and I'm telling him what's coming. So like, I remember facing him and like a oh, fastball away, right in his wheelhouse is where he likes it. <laughs> Please don't kill me. Um, I can't feel good. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, number three, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of like jacked guys. Um, Jorge Soler is a pretty big dude. Um, pretty sure I've faced him before. Uh, he's he's about Stanton judge size, so <laughs> I'd put them in the top three. It's wow. unit That's out crazy. there. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. And uh, Steve, along those lines, I'm wondering what's one of the coolest moments of your professional baseball career? I don't know if it's during the MLB or if it was in the World Baseball Classic. I know you got to play in some intense games in that. So what would be one of your mm-hmm. coolest moments or a few of them? Yeah, that's a great, um, that's a good point with the World Baseball Classic. I, other, apart from being drafted, I would say the World Baseball Classic was probably um, the most, uh, I don't know, I guess, I don't want to say honor, honoring because you want to honor your country, but um, it, it was the most intense atmosphere I've, I've ever pitched in, you know. And, um, you know, when you're representing, you got USA across your chest, there's like a whole nother level of um, intensity involved and pressure and you don't want to let your country down everyone's watching and then you're playing against teams like Dominican and Puerto Rico and at Marlins Park they're sold out you know so the atmosphere is insane it was definitely it was the coolest baseball experience I've ever had that's so cool I remember getting to be at that game where you played against the Dominican and uh, seeing you have a big strikeout 
against who was your teammate at the time, Hanley Ramirez. And that was one of the craziest things to see and uh, to be a part of. Yeah, no, that was that was fun. That was a big game for us. Cool, cool. So um, getting into a little bit more of the uh, spiritual and leadership questions with you and transitioning, uh, there's a routine that you do every time you go into the game, after you finish your warm-up pitches, before you throw your first pitch, face your first batter, you have a routine. Would you mind um, sharing that with some of our listeners? Because a lot of times, if you're not at the ballpark, you don't get to see that. Yeah, so after, um, you know, I, I pretty much throw the same warm-up pitches. After my last pitch, uh, the catcher throws it down the second. Uh, as I'm waiting for the, uh, you know, the ball to come back to me from the third baseman, I always have my hand um, ready on the card. I, I have a, hold the card in my back pocket. I've had it since my rookie year. And on the card is Colossians 3.23 and says, with whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working unto the Lord and not for men. And, you know, that's a easy translation. There's other translations out there. But anyways, that's the whole idea is I need to continue to remind myself that um, I'm out there for the, you know, to give the honor and glory to the Lord and not men. And so that, therefore, when I'm out there pitching, if I'm truly, you know, giving all I have, like the Lord commands of me, then hopefully, you know, well, the Lord will be honored, but then hopefully my teammates, you know, organization fans will reap the benefits of that because I'm giving everything I possibly have. You know, I'm, I'm playing for a higher calling. Um, you know, everyone else would hopefully reap the benefit of that. Now, some people might say, well, you know, we didn't reap much of a benefit when you give up a three run bomb, but, <laughs> but was the Lord honored? You know? Yeah. I mean, I gave everything I had. And so I can go to bed at night knowing that, you know, I, you know, followed that command. That's cool that it's a, a constant reminder that you haven't let go of since you first started. Um, so building off that, talk to us a little bit about what it means to be a Christian and a professional athlete at the same time and how I'm sure that it's easy to get those two things uh, out of order. But talk to us a little bit about what that means for you. Yeah, you def it definitely can be a challenge. Um, there's a, you know, a lot of temptations out there. Um, you know, but as a Christian, you also got to realize, and I was going to kind of read over this real quick, is in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So no matter how hard, you know, the temptation is, it, the Lord's not going to put you in a position where you can't handle it or endure it or escape from it. Um, you know, so I, I always try to have that in mind, you know, because there's always times where, you know, some dicey things come up where you get tempted into sin. It could be something subtle. The devil likes to slip some things, you know, under, you know, like to slip some things in there. And um, but you have to be spiritually mindful of that. So um, something I really try to focus on and um, is living a righteous life in front of my teammates for, you know, Three reasons: A, because it's honoring to the Lord; B, or one is honoring to the Lord; two, um, you know, hopefully the Christian brothers on the team it's an encouragement to them if I'm being faithful and um, you know striving to be holy, uh, even though we're not perfect. And then three, to be apart from the world, to be an example to my teammates. And um, I think there's a very important Bible uh, verse to to think through as a baseball player and as a Christian is. Um, is Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And I'll, I'm going to read it to you real quick. 
because I feel like it's you know important. Um, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, so on the other end, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So that's important. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So as a believer, if you truly want to make a gospel impact to your teammates, um, yeah, you need to talk to them, but really you need to live a righteous life in front of them. You know, there's so many times where I see professing believers. Um, living in sin, you know, hitting, you know, living it up with their teammates and not being that gospel influence on them, just getting too close to the world so they can like kind of look cool and think they can get in. But, you know, that's just the devil, um, you know, in disguise right there. And so for me, it's really important uh, to try to, you know, live out, you know, the fruits of the spirit in front of my teammates and not give in to the temptations of the flesh that I just read. So, um, I think that's, you know, the main thing, main takeaway as a Christian athlete, you know, to be, you know, a loving teammate. It's awesome, Steve. Thanks for sharing that, man. Can be a huge witness. Along those same lines, you know, the professional baseball schedule is a real grind. You know, 162 games in 180 days. You're traveling a lot. You're going to big cities, New York, Miami, Chicago, L.A. You're away from your family a lot of times. You don't get to go to a church service on a Sunday. Maybe some days you don't get to have like a true Sabbath. You're working all seven days. So how do you, how do you maintain your faith uh, in those, in that difficult schedule? Yeah. Um, you know, really it's just staying in the word, you know, it's right now we're in the midst of a coronavirus, And if you think you can get through this and all, you know, the hardship that comes with it on your own power, you're going to be mistaken. You know, this is the, the times like these times, like when I'm on the road and there's, you know, temptations away from the family, whatever it may be. Um, I need to make sure that I'm in the word, um, really feeding my conscience with truth. So that way, when things come, come up, my conscience is, a, you know, my conscience is the bear, you know, it, you know, I, I know what the word says. I need to renew my mind in, in that moment. If my conscience is telling me no, then I've, and I've added truth then I, I should probably listen to it. Um, so it's, it's huge. Like that's in, in all honesty, you know, that's the most time I get to spend reading books, you know, that are encouraging, helping me grow in my faith. And, you know, obviously reading the word because you know, I'm away from a family. I have a little bit more downtime. I've got the girls climbing all over me, which I love. I'm not complaining, but you know, it's, it's true. Like you just have more time. So I just try to you know dig in the word when I can and make the best use of my time. Do you have like a specific story or example of a time where you really had a lot of pressure on you and you had to choose to live righteously? Yeah. Um, we, I mean, I feel like it's just almost every day. Um, I think for me, an everyday conversation is, is one of those times. I don't really get invited, you know, too much to go out places. I kind of make a firm stance early. 
and you know guys uh, you know you'd be you'd be surprised like i feel like a lot of christians may live fearful that's why they kind of give in but you know there are everyone's always watching you waiting for you to make a mistake so you know when you get invited to a certain place or to um you know get involved in certain conversations or whatever it may be and you know you kind of make a firm ground and in kindness not like judgmental um you, you would be surprised with you know what kind of integrity you show those guys like they they appreciate that i think about you so um i i don't have a specific time i just think it's almost an everyday battle you know just like any other person just like a janitor who is going through who knows what lusts or um battling you know contentment with his life or an office worker with contentment or family matter you know there's always temptations so there's no different in the baseball realm it's just you know honestly we just have a lot of money and it's easier to get involved in certain things that, you know, obviously as a believer, you don't want to get involved in. I want to circle back to what you said that should be like quoted going viral. My conscience is a bear and I trust that I've had a good thing. So if it tells me no, then I know that it's wrong. Is that what you said? Yeah. Dude, that's, that's so good. That's huge. Uh, I think that applies to so many people too. And whether you're at the office or on the baseball field or whatever it is, there's always your conscious speaking either with peace or with something saying no, no, no. So dude, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. We want to know a little bit um, of just your story too. I know we've talked a lot about baseball, MLB, being a Christian in the, the baseball, the professional athletes, fear but we want to know how you got there and your your testimony that took you there yeah so how i got to major leagues yeah a little bit how how baseball played a part in your story and in your faith journey growing up um yeah growing up i didn't grow up in the church uh i didn't have believing parents um so i basically just went to college i went to a d2 school carson newman college which is now carson newman university in tennessee it's a baptist college um i basically went there because they offered me some scholarship Uh, i knew that was going to help you know my grandmother was actually paying my way she's amazing so i wanted to help out any way possible and so i was good enough to get a scholarship i guess for a d2 school and i was thankful for that um so i chose the carson newman because it was a liberal arts school i was going to be a physical education teacher was my plan i didn't know what else to do (laughs) and then um (laughs) And not knowing, uh, I didn't know the Lord. So I remember my dad asking me during that process, hey, you know, they, you have to go to X amount of chapel uh, sessions. It's like 10 a semester. You can be all right with that? I'm like, no, yeah, I mean, whatever. I just got to sit there, right? You know, and just get those credits. So <laughs> to me, it wasn't a big deal. Well, you know, the Lord put me there for a reason, for sure. You know, I, I, w- I went there. Um, I remember my freshman year, we just, you know, through mutual friends with baseball players, um, you know, we started hanging out with a Christian crowd. And when I wasn't hanging out with the Christian crowd, I was partying with the other players or other athletes in the school. And, um, but, you know, I was always fond of the Christian crowd because I was always a, you know, quieter person. And, you know, when I wanted to lay low, I'd go hang out with them. You know, not that anything the partiers did, you know, it wasn't their fault. You know, like it was my own heart that was the issue. But, uh, I, uh, Start, long story short, you know, this girl came up to us, a real good friend of ours. Um, she said, hey, you know, you're a nice guy and everything, but I want to see you go to heaven. And I was like, that's weird. Like, I grew up my whole life 
you know, are believing that, you know, as long as we're good people, like we go to heaven, you know, that's easy way to think about it. And, but, you know, she was right. And so anyways, it was, I wouldn't say it was a gospel presentation, but it definitely caught my, you know, interest. And I started going to FCA with some of the believing guys on the team. Um, and with her, she invited us out there. And, uh, and my sophomore year in 2006, I, I became, or I made a profession of faith. You know, I, you know, I said, all right, you know, I, you know, I remember it was, it was kind of silly. Like we had these cups that if we broke them, that means the Lord, you know, is using us or breaking us to be more conformed to him or something like that. And so I broke my cup and I made this huge stance. But I remember that night I confessed to never giving up certain lusts that I had, you know, like, Hey, you're going to have to give this up now. I'm like, Oh no, I'm not going to do that. So clearly it wasn't a true profession of faith. You know, I, I lived that way for the next three years. Well, I got drafted in 2007 by the Florida Marlins, now the Miami Marlins. Yes, I'm old. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I got drafted then, um, went through three years of minor league ball. And in 2010, which was my third year, I went to a Bible study in Jupiter during spring training at the church I now attend, Grace Emanuel Bible Church. And uh, one of the guys there was basically telling me, hey, you know, you know, they're kind of getting to know us, asking us some deep questions. And uh, I was just telling them the life of sin I'm living, but <laughs> professing to be a believer. And so they confronted me like right after that thing, just pulled me aside and walked me through the scriptures. And I remember in James 2, they brought me there and they said, even the demons, you know, first says, even the demons believe and they shudder. So, mm. you know, that hit me hard. I'm like, wow, like this is coming from the Bible. I say I'm a Christian. I say I believe in this book right here. And this the demons believe in God also, and they're shuddering and I'm not shuddering at his word at all. Like this is an issue. So I kept playing ball, ended up getting called up that year um, to the big leagues. I played the last two weeks of that season. Um, and then I, I was wrestling from that point on till about when I was engaged, just to my wife, Marissa, that, you know, these guys are right. You know, maybe, I'm not a Christian. Like, no, I know what the word says. And once you make one profession, you know, I was making up all these truths that weren't truths, just false truth. And uh, just to appease my conscience. And so, you know, finally, just, I don't know. I can't tell you, I can tell you the day I made the profession, but you know, when, uh, when I think I was a, actually became a believer and God saved me was, you know, through reading the scriptures, reading the truth that I was once avoiding because I knew what it would do to my conscience um, this jumping off the page of me, wanting to go to uh, sit under the word, wanting to be taught, you know, having a soft heart instead of a hard heart. You know, all these things started this kind of happening. I'm like, wow, you know, I've been dropping the ball this whole time. And that's where true repentance started happening and having victory over sin. And I'd say that's around 2012. Well, that was after, you know, that was during, actually, I should say, of, you know, a year of playing with the Miami Marlins. You know, going into next season, you know, I'm like 2013, I feel like I'm a new person even. And uh, it was just incredible. So, yeah, the baseball aspect was great because it, you know, brought me here to Jupiter, Florida, put me in that classroom where I was taught to the true gospel, where I heard my my fallen, um, where, I, where I've fallen short, how there will be a payment for sin. Either I'm going to pay for it or Jesus is going to pay for it. And um, that's the first time I ever heard, you know, a true version of the gospel. And so, of course, you know, I wanted Jesus to pay for my sin. I'm, I don't know why anybody would do that. And that's why it's a great mystery. But 
Um, I'm thankful for that. And therefore I'm thankful for baseball because, you know, without the Lord using that, I wouldn't have met these men. So cool, Steve. Thanks for sharing your story and your testimony. We're really hoping that hits someone out there. It's amazing, man. So cool. Such a testimony to the guys that came around you and shared the true gospel with you and a, a reminder and a, a challenge for us to continue to do that and to continue to be a light in the world. All right. For so sure. here's a you fun know, section. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, say I just wanted to make sure that I was clear that that it wasn't anything of my own power. Um, it was it was all the Lord, you know, doing that stuff. He gets all the credit for that and all the glory. So I just wanted to make that clear. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. All right. So here's the section we couldn't prepare you for. We surprise all our guests with it. This is the hot seat. So we ask you an uncomfortable question. Uh, one that I'm you might not want to answer, but it's a lot of fun. All right. It's a lot That's of fun cool. for our listeners. Welcome to the right. hot seat. So, Steve, <laughs> here's a question for you. I'm, I'm going to double down if that's cool with you. All right. Okay. I want to hear, number one, I want to hear an embarrassing moment. You wore the wrong jersey. You forgot your gloves. Something. You wore the wrong part of your pants. Whatever it is, I want to hear an embarrassing story uh, from, the game, from the game of baseball for you, whether, whatever level college, uh, right. professional, minor leagues. And then I want to hear just the longest tank you've given up, if you're cool with sharing. <laughs> oh, I, got, I got two good answers for that. My right, rookie we're excited. Season in 2011, so think about this. We were the home team in Seattle, okay? I think they put like a Bon Jovi concert in line with our home series against the Mariners and they didn't want to lose the revenue for that. So, we'd be, so we flew out to Seattle to be the home team there. That is played against them in That's 2011. Crazy. So, of course, in the top of the ninth inning in Seattle, mind you, we're the home team. I threw an intentional walk wild pitch with a guy on third, and that run scored, and we ended up we ended up losing the game. We didn't score a run in the bottom of the ninth. Oh, <laughs> so that was no the most embarrassing of my career. That hurts. Potentially my life. Oh, you know, just, that hurts. You're holding his hand out here. Just put it right here. I launched it over his head. We lose oh. the game. So that, that hurt the feelings a little bit. But uh, <laughs> what was the other one? What's the furthest bomb I've given up? I got I got a good story for that. Um, 2000 and I think it was 2014. We were in Colorado, my least favorite place on the planet to pitch. Beautiful city, guys. <laughs> if you're listening That's because Colorado. you're a pitcher, Steve. No pitcher likes it in Colorado. <laughs> Beautiful city, guys. Okay. Stadium. It's beautiful. Congrats. You have a nature walk in the outfield, but guess what? Like for a sidearm pitcher that relies on sink, the ball don't sink there. I fell 3-1 to Corey Dickerson. And so I was trying to just, it, we're, I think we were, uh, we're down, we're up by one. This is like to close the game out. And I threw him a 3-1 fastball, tried to go down and away. The ball, I cut it and went down and in right into his wheelhouse. And he, he hit the ball up into the third deck of the stadium. Now, I didn't realize in the third deck they did some renovations where they put in some bars and restaurants up there. So when he hit the ball and I'm watching it travel up into that third deck, I'm like, oh, man, like I, those restaurants are pretty nice. I didn't realize they put those up there. Like I had no idea that there was the renovations until he hit a ball, up, like atomic bomb. <laughs> On top you didn't of even the see that part of the stadium until they hit it up there. No, I was like, man, they did some <laughs> serious work up there. So, oh, yeah, he got goodness. me good, man. It, it hurt. It hurt oh. pretty bad. Steve, Dang. thanks for sharing those. Those are rough. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate your vulnerability. 
That's great. That's hilarious. All right, uh, Steve, last question for you before we let you go. We want to know what it is like being a leader with the platform that you have as a professional athlete, especially someone uh, in the majors, how you have had opportunities to use that platform to lead others um, just with the influence that you've been given through the game of baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, I think at, on one, on some level or another, you're, you're going to be a leader of some sort, whether, like I said, it doesn't matter what job you have. And if you're, if you're a, a husband, you're going to be a leader. You know, if you have like a couple friends, you, you know, are you the leader of those friendships? You know, like, at so, uh, one way or another, you're going to be a leader of some sort throughout your life. So I think most importantly, um, you know, the scripture I read in Galatians would be huge, you know, to, to consider, you know, the making sure you're keeping in step, you know, with the spirit. Um, and yeah, like that's the whole point of being a leader is you want to, you want to be able to lead your Christian brothers uh, to, to holiness, um, just like you're striving, like you should be striving for it. Um you know, you want to be able to be that example to them, be that example to guys who aren't believers. Um, you know, it's huge. And I, I think, I think more, most importantly, if we're all the, you know, dads, husbands out there is to be a leader of your family. You know, I would encourage you, if, if you know, hopefully you have already just read Ephesians 5, 25 through, um, I think what, six, yeah, six, verse uh, eight. So oh, I'm sorry. You know, Ephesians five twenty five through six four, I should say. Um, it's it's huge for your for your soul to be able to to um, recognize those things. Like as a as a husband, you know, loving your wife as Christ loved the church. What does that look like? Well, that looks like when your wife isn't at her best, you know, you have to you're to love her anyways. You know, all right, let's go to the teammates. If you're when your teammates aren't your best, you got to love them anyways. You know, you know, to be an encouragement to them and. Um, you know, I think that's, I think a Christian can be the best teammate, you know, out there because you should be one loving others. And how do you love others? By serving them. You know, Christ was an ultimate servant. You need to, you need to be able to serve them. One of the coolest stories I heard, and this goes along with leadership. Actually, it's the same guy who shared the gospel with me. And you know, Josh, Darren Roberts, he, uh, part Darren's of Chris Coughlin. Yeah. Yep. Part of Chris Coughlin's testimony, what brought him to the faith. Um, what the Lord used to bring him to the faith was Darren just getting him a pair of spikes. So in spring training, Coglin got sent down. Uh, you guys might know the story. And they're way out in the backfield. I'm talking, it's like a good, what, maybe 300-yard run. Oh, Somebody it's a trek. It's a ways. Yeah. It's a it's a haul. Well, Coglin was out there. He didn't have his spikes on, I think the story goes. And one of the coaches told him to get some spikes. And he's sitting there grumbling and complaining. He's not a believer, mind you. Darren goes, Where your, where's your locker? I'll get him. And just takes off, sprints, grabs the spikes, gets him to him. And he's like, why did you do that? Like, you know, why would you do that? And Darren, you know, was able to share the gospel with him. You know, that's being leader right there is just serving because no one would do that. So by Darren doing that, it opened up the doors to share the gospel with the Lord. You know, if you're prayerful, you know, Lord, please help me find a door to be open or to, to, for you to allow a door to be open for me to share. You're prayerful about that stuff. The Lord will make opportunities for you to do that and um, to be able to have opportunities to share the gospel. So um, I think that's, that's the huge part of being leadership is finding those areas. I just gave you a whole, you know, smorgasbord of things, I guess, but I think one of the most important things is 
um, you know, finding those opportunities as a leader to be a gospel influence on your teammates, whoever's around you, especially your family, leading them through the scriptures. Um, uh, and so, yeah, that's what I got. Steve, thanks for sharing that, man. That's a lot of wisdom. I want to highlight a couple of things you said about being a teammate because we're all a teammate in some capacity, whether it's vocationally through our job, our family, uh, on a sports team, maybe you're a high school or college athlete. Man, being a great teammate is loving others well and loving others well is being a servant. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Christians, athletes should be the best teammates. I love that you said that. And that's a great challenge for us today. Mm-hmm. What a story. Uh, Darren going to grab the uh, cleats for Cogs. That was awesome story. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Steve, thanks for being on with us today, man. Any last words you want to share with our audience? No, I love what, I just want to say I love what you guys are doing. Um, still waiting for my purpose t-shirt. But, uh, you know, oh. no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. We're on it. And so <laughs> if, we get a, if we get a part two in here, I'm in. So just let me know. Hey, let's go. We're always in. We're always in. Steve, thanks a lot, man. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the One Word Podcast. On behalf of Nick, I'm Josh, and I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners out there who faithfully listen. We hope that this continues to encourage you as you journey to choose it, rep it, and live it. If you loved this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and leaving a review and five stars for us, as that will help us to reach a greater audience. We want to give a big thank you to Steve for taking the time to join us on the show today. Have a great day. Thank you.